0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today and being with us for this message. Uh, I want you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 6. This is a familiar scripture to many of you, uh, especially those of you who uh, have any of my teachings on sanctification and, and justification. Uh we've preached from this verse any number of times uh, over the past several years. However, I'm going to take just a little bit of a different slant with it today. And so I want to read beginning with uh, the first verse, Romans 6 and 1. And here's what the Bible says. What shall we say then? Now this is going to go back to the 20th verse of the 5th chapter of Romans. Let's go ahead and read that. Moreover the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. How many of you realize today that God has more grace, thank God he does, than you have sinned? And God has more than enough grace to grant you access through the blood of Jesus Christ, irrespective as to what you have done, what you have been, the sins you have committed. The only requirement is that you put your faith in what Jesus did for you at the cross and repent of your sin, okay? Moreover, the law entered, in other words, the law came, the law of God, the law of Moses, came to show us how big and bad sin really is and prove to us that we can never keep the law in our own strength so we've got to have help to do it we've got to have God's help and we gain God's help by placing our faith in Jesus and that guarantees us then the help of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. I like the much mores of scripture. I want to tell you that everything the devil has, God has much more to defeat him with. Amen. Every attack that comes against your spirit, every attack that comes against your mind and your body, every attack that would come uh, against your domestic life, your financial life, in any area of life, any attack. That Satan has, God has much more with which to defeat Satan in our lives. And then it says in verse 21 <clears throat> that as sin hath reigned, we're in chapter 5 still, book of Romans, verse 21, sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we know that it's because of God's grace because of what Jesus did at the cross, that you and I are enjoying right now, in the moment, eternal life. You see, you don't have to die to begin to enjoy the benefits of eternal life. The very moment that you are born again, you are enjoying eternal life. Romans 6, verse 1. Here's what it says. What shall we say then? Because sin abounds, but grace much more abounds, what do we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, or some translations say, may it never be. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Heavenly Father, I pray that you will take and anoint these few words that you've given me for the people today. That you will anoint them to our hearts as arrows of deliverance, Father, and change us because of the word of God that's spoken here in this message. And God, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to make a statement right at the beginning of this talk today that is actually a part of the title of the message Salvation is not accomplished by works, but it is accompanied by evidence. And I personally believe that the American church today is facing an unparalleled crisis in this area. And we want to explore some of this today in your hearing. Many would say, well, this is a negative message. But you know what? In order to have the positive, you also have to have a negative And by sharing my heart with you on this today, as well as benefiting from some of the research of Michael L. Brown, we pray that we can open some eyes today to spark a revival today, to cause people to run to the cross of Jesus Christ today, and see lives absolutely, changed and transformed by the mighty power of God through the blood of Jesus. Now, that's the goal, and that's the point. You see, you've heard me tell it over and over and over again. We say it, we say it regarding justification. We also say it regarding sanctification. It's not what we do, it's what we believe. But I need to clarify and tell you that what we believe will most definitely affect what we do. And so the two believing and doing grace faith and works really travel hand in hand down the gospel path they really cannot be separated and so while everything that we have in Christ we have certainly merited none of it and we certainly deserve none of it but it will be evidenced in our life if we've been changed. And everybody that receives the gospel, barring none, is changed by the power of the gospel. That's it. There is no such thing as somebody being born again and remaining on living in their sin and bondage. Now, there may be struggles. It's called the sanctification process. There may be periods of of sliding back, or slipping up, or there may be struggles. But in the heart of that individual, they are striving for righteousness. And I don't really believe, after listening to a plethora of modern-day messages after reading a plethora of modern-day Christian literature I really don't believe that the church gets it I don't believe that we understand the significance of the transformed life and in so many cases sadly it has become more about attending a house of worship than about the message that that house of worship is preaching it has become equivalent in some cases not all thank God there are millions being born again however in some cases maybe we could say in many cases joining a church is tantamount in the minds of individuals to joining any other kind of club and that is not New Testament Christianity That is never what God intended. That is never what God desired when he sent his son. To pay the ultimate price, people. I mean, he paid the price for the sins that we have committed. And so I want to look at this just for a moment. A long time ago, Dr. Michael Brown posed a question. And I remember when I first heard it, and first began to contemplate it and ponder it, It changed my life forever. And that question was, how saved are we? It seems that for many, many years, the church has preached a cheap gospel while peddling a soft Savior. Often we have taught salvation without self-denial, and we've taught the crown without the cross. We have catered. We have catered to the unsaved, and we have compromised with the world, and now we're paying the price. This instant salvation message has dishonored God, and it has deluded men. Faulty seeds that have been planted by purported gospel preachers has produced a flaky harvest. And what a pitiful crop, ladies and gentlemen, that we seem to be reaping in this hour in the church in the United States of America. For you see, as American believers, we spend hours watching television, but only minutes in prayer. We're so hungry for the sports page, but we have little taste for the Word of God. Christians in America spend more money on pet food than on foreign missions. We love to feast, but we hate to fast. We welcome God's blessings while avoiding His burdens. Is this what Jesus died for? Is this our new life in Him? Stop for one moment and think with me. Please, not, not track with me on this. Anyone... And this is going to be a little bit strong, but anyone who spends more time playing video games than seeking God in prayer really cannot call Jesus Lord. Anyone who takes delight in today's perverted soap operas and reality television and these sci-fi extravaganzas is serving another God. Anyone who cannot die to sports for a season is worshiping idols. I mean, if you just can't miss that game, you can't go to church when the Super Bowl's on. And worse yet, so many of them are showing the Super Bowl and not preaching the gospel that men and women need to hear today. Now, come on, I'm not against your Super Bowl parties and your men's groups. Sad fact is, most churches quit having Sunday night services years ago. But look at what has happened to our nation that we love. The Bible says, I'm going to pull together two verses here from 1 John 2.15 and James 4.4. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, because friendship with the world is hatred toward God. So in reality, whose friend are we? If we're not totally sold out the whole route, if we're not totally pursuing the presence of God with every fiber of our being, whose friend are we? And there is nothing more important, ladies and gentlemen, than when we get to the end of our journey, when we get to the end of our life, when our last breath on this planet has been taken, there's nothing more important than to be the friend of Jesus. Nothing. I guarantee you, when you're laying on that deathbed, all of the Super Bowl scores of all of the years gone by will not matter one it to you. The latest Hollywood blockbuster and the latest musical release it will not even enter your mind when you're laying there gasping that last few breaths of life. But are you the friend of Jesus? That will make a difference. It's time for some serious soul-searching in the American church. What kind of born-again experience have we had if it calls for almost no personal sacrifice, produces virtually no separation from the world, and breeds practically no hatred of sin? How can we claim to be born from above? Where is the evidence of our new nature. We call ourselves citizens of heaven, yet our hearts are continually caught up in earthly treasures. We sing, We're the people of God, but we're entertained by the worst of the devil's children. You think of it. We claim to be dead to the world, yet we are more interested in temporal fashions and a style show than we are in eternal souls. Something is wrong with that salvation experience. Bad fruit means bad roots. And I'm telling you again, I'm going to repeat it. For those of you that are listening and you're mad right now, I'm going to say it again, salvation is not by works. It's not accomplished by works, but it is accompanied by evidence. And you better believe it. You better believe it. Bad fruit means bad roots. Now listen to this. Let's contrast our modern message, with the message that Jesus Christ himself preached, and you can find it recorded in your Bibles. We say, just confess Jesus as your Lord and you're in. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven big difference there. We say just pray this little prayer and it's done. Jesus said in Luke 9:23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Big difference. We say just come to the altar and only take a minute. Jesus said in Luke thirteen twenty four, make every effort to enter in through the narrow door, because I tell you many will try to enter and will not be able to. In other words, it doesn't just take a minute. There has to be a work of a sovereign God in the heart of man and women. Men and women. And that work might be accomplished in a minute, but the process of sanctification takes a lifetime. And it's a constant uh, saying yes to Jesus and a constant saying no to sin. That's the gospel that Jesus preached. What gospel is your pastor preaching? And God help all of us. God help all of us to stay true to the Word of God in the things that we tell people. Because it means the difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. Jesus made it abundantly clear to the large crowds who were traveling with him at one time, He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that doesn't mean we hate our parents and our kids and our spouses. It means that we don't prefer them above Jesus. That's what it means. It means if the choice has to be made, then we have to choose Jesus Christ. That's what it means. We are to have love in our hearts for all people, even the worldlings that are out there. But we don't compromise for people. Jesus further said, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He further said, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Who do we think we're fooling? In the modern church in America today, it's time to count the cost. You say, I don't remember that being in the Bible. Well, you read Luke 14.26, 14.27, and 14.33. Who do we think we're kidding? In so many church meetings today, people come and gather around, and they hear a message about how they can use Jesus to get rich. How they can use Jesus to get stuff. You say, well, the Bible does promise us that we'll be blessed. I know that. I didn't just jump off a turnip truck yesterday. I've been preaching this blessed gospel for 35 years. I know that. God will bless us. God will prosper us. But that is not the focus of the Christian life. It never has been. It is not now. And it never will be. The focus of the Christian life is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Jesus Christ is the focus of the Christian life. Praise God. Maybe we have truly come to Jesus, but then can we say that we're truly following him? Maybe we have believed the good news. But are we daily picking up our cross and carrying it? Jesus commanded us, the church, his disciples, to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. But maybe we need to become disciples first before we can concern ourselves about making disciples. Maybe we need to quit allowing bad attitudes to dominate our lives. Maybe we need to quit allowing criticisms to garner our speech. Maybe we need to learn to walk in the love of God and sell out completely to this cross life before we can ever hope to get others to follow us in making disciples of Jesus. You see, we're not making disciples of us. We're to make disciples of Christ. Yes, as I said, salvation is by grace through faith, and we can add nothing, nothing, nothing to it. But the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Read Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. And true faith, James tells us in chapter 2, verse 20 of his book, is known by what it does, since faith without deeds is useless, or faith without works is dead. Paul warned the Ephesians, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. One thing you can be sure, he said, no immoral, impure, Or greedy person such a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God Ephesians 5 5 so do we do you and I really think that God's standard has changed again look at what the church in this country has produced over the past 50 years when the red-hot fiery evangelists and preachers and pastors left the scene and motivational speakers came on board look what's happened to the moral values in our country because the gospel of Jesus Christ should motivate you to do one thing and that is repent of sin and yes there are verse precious verses wonderful verses that promised the peace of Christ to guard our hearts, and that promises us the blessings of the Lord. All of that's in the Bible, absolutely. But the entry point, Jesus said, ye must be born again. And being born again is not accomplished by works, but is accompanied by evidence. Hallelujah to the Lamb. No immoral, impure, greedy person. That person's an idolater, the Bible says, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's Ephesians 5 and 5. Do we think that God's standard has changed? Another question, what gave us the right to try to change God's standard? Do do carnal Christians go to heaven? No. Without holiness, the Bible says, no one will see the Lord. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the sinful nature with its passions and lusts, the Bible says. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Only slaves are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Glory to God. Honor God with your mind. Honor God with your body. Honor God with your pocketbook. Honor God with your time. Honor God with your eyes and that stuff that you're looking at over television. Honor God in every area of your life. You have no hope of doing that without the Holy Spirit's help. So you better put your place, your faith in Jesus Christ and what He did for you at the cross. And you better repent of your sin and get God active in the situations of your life. And the Holy Spirit will make you the Christian that you need to be. You say, Well, I need verses for that. I want you to look up Hebrews 12:14, Galatians 5:24, and 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We have got to come to terms with these words, folks. You can't just cherry-pick the Bible and pick you out all the promises that you like. And that's the Bible you're going to follow. That Bible is in in its entirety, from cover to cover, is God's holy, precious Word. And we need all of it. And it's time to put the Word of God first place in our lives once again. And believe every word of it from cover to cover. and, And confess to the Lord when we mess up and ask Him to help us to do better. And He'll send the Holy Spirit and perform that work within us. And we will begin to live out the faith life of the Word of God? And we will see God move and do mighty miracles in our churches in America once again? I sat the other day and I watched a video on television. We have have this uh, Apple TV. And so I can watch YouTube through the app on the Apple TV. And I was watching this video at this place that says they's having them a revival. Okay? And said, oh, we're having revival. People were crawling on, on their all fours on the floor, barking like dogs and clucking like chickens and all kinds of foolishness that was going on. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, how many of those lives do you suppose are changed when they walk away from that? Most of them are still bound by what they were bound when they come in there. Because it is the preaching of the gospel that brings deliverance to the captives. It's the blood of Jesus, not antics, that will bring deliverance to hearts and lives. Now, there's going to be some manifestations when the Holy Spirit's moving. Absolutely, I understand that. And I love those services. Hey, listen, Uh, Len Paxton's been known to run around and take a few laps around a few churches in his time. Okay? I love it. I'm not opposed to it. When it's really God. But when you're really having revival, let me tell you the first thing that will take place. Hearts and lives will be changed. And men will forsake and repent of sin. And they will give their hearts to Christ. That is on the heart of God. So much. In these days, we've got to come to terms with this folks, because you see, discipleship is not optional and it ain't cheap. Peter cried, "Lord, we have left everything to follow you." Mark 10:28. Let me ask you this: Today, what have you left to follow him? I pray you've left the sin behind. I pray with all of my heart that everyone listening to me right now, under the sound of my voice, there's a tremendous work of the Holy Ghost going on in your heart and life and soul and spirit. And even in your physical body, I believe that God is going to heal people right now as we preach deliverance to the captives. I had a vision not long ago. I was watching another video uh, through the Apple TV of Mario Murillo. And, God's, and Mario was laying it on the line, brother. I mean, he was shucking the gospel corn. And he was laying it down. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, gently whispered to me. When, when you preach the gospel. Not just any old thing you want to preach. But when you preach the gospel. Just like brother Mario Marillo was saying and doing. I am going to set the captives free. The Holy Ghost said. And I said, yes, Lord, that's what I want. I'll do my best, Lord Jesus, help me, help me, help me. I'm a flawed, weak vessel, and I don't deserve to stand in the sacred desk. But if you will help me and anoint the words that I preach, we're believing for millions to be set free and millions to be delivered and millions to be healed and changed by the power of Almighty God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will leave all to follow him. Leave religiosity behind. Leave judgmentalism behind. Leave a critical spirit behind and follow Christ. Leave preconceived ideas about what your ministry is supposed to be behind and follow Jesus leave the gossip behind leave hate behind take up that cross and follow Jesus every day every day discipleship is not optional and it ain't cheap and it's time for the church in America to pay the price Richard Wombrand, the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, said this. He said, every material gift increases its value if it comes not from money you can dispense with, but from the sacrifice of something that you would love to have. How much have we really given for Jesus? Jesus will not take Our leftovers American church I remember the day when we led the world in world missions and sadly if you look at some parts of the world today and you can see the results of what we took them some places it's very very good other places you can just see that that prosperity gospel is all that they're focused on. And I'm telling you right now, not going to debate you, not going to argue with you. I know what I'm talking about. It's wrong. It's wrong. You can live in a shack by the side of the road and be just as happy as a lark in a peach tree if you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life. If you know the Lord, if you know the Savior, of course, we pray for God to bless us. Absolutely. But we also want to be blessed so that we can share that blessing with others and give to the work of the Lord. Do you realize how many people that we come across on a yearly basis, and and I couldn't even begin to count them on a yearly basis, let alone going back 35 years, that we have poured blessing into who have never given a penny back to help us take the gospel anywhere? And I don't care, that's fine. But I'm telling you that when you get a hold of Jesus, you will want to give to the gospel. And if you're giving it into a place, just simply because you think your bills are going to get paid, you're not giving with the right heart and the right motive. You give because you love the Lord and you love souls. the Bible's clear. He says, I've never seen the seed of the righteous begging bread. So yes, the prosperity will come, but I don't give for that purpose. Oh, you're meddling now. Let me just say it again. Look at what we've produced in the last 50 years in America. For my dollar... It's time that we get back to preaching repentance over sin. And it's time we get back to taking risks. It's time that we take the risk even if we have to swear to our own hurt. Even if it messes up our financial plans. Even if it messes up our Sunday afternoon plans. Whatever. We need to begin to take risks for the gospel again. Because we have just about lost this nation. I'm afraid, I'm not in fear, but I'm concerned, let's phrase it that way, that judgment is just about to hit the United States of America like we've never known judgment to hit before. We have preached an emaciated gospel appealing to the lusts of men. We have preached a watered down, compromised word in order to appeal to the greed of men it's time that we begin to appeal to sinners that Jesus on the cross shed his blood so that they can be saved and have eternal life and to begin to preach the gospel once again hallelujah to the Lamb Johanna of the went as a single woman missionary to Africa in 1920, she lived in a primitive hut with dirt floors. And her little home there, her hut was plagued with white ants and rats. One time she said, I was having my evening meal, and here were those ants in swarms sticking fast in hand dropping in my food and I concluded that a plague was upon us there was no shutting them out she said because in these native huts there were no ceilings you think of it I'm talking about the price That people, this is just one example, the price that people have paid to carry this gospel to the farthest corners of the globe. While we sit in our air-conditioned homes and prop up in our big easy chairs and watch television. I'm not condemning your TV watching. I'm just asking you to take an inventory today. I'm asking you to take a look today. you never heard a complaint from Johanna's lips and in spite of very little visible success she had no second thoughts here's something she said there has never been a single regret that I left the bright lights and the gay life of New York City and came to this dark corner of Jesus vineyard there has been no sacrifice Because the Lord Jesus himself is my constant companion. That's what she said. Like the disciples of old, she was saved. And I'll ask you the question that I read so many years ago from Michael L. Brown. How saved are we? How saved are we? Are we ready to lay down our lives for this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if need be? Are we ready to give up the creature comforts that we have become so used to that now they dominate us? The technology that we love so much and that we invented to make our lives easier has now placed us in bondage. Are we ready to turn our back on it all should the Master desire that we do so and go to our neighbor, let alone the far-flung corners of the earth, uh, with the gospel of repentance of sin and salvation through the blood? How saved are we? I've preached a strong word today. And I want to conclude as I started salvation is not accomplished by works but it's always accompanied by evidence and i'll ask you today are you ready to be a disciple of jesus christ to forsake all and follow him father god in the name of the lord i thank you for this time with the radio audience today I've I've preached my heart out and I fear I've done it badly, but Lord, I ask that you somehow take these words, these few and halting and stumbling words and drive them home to our hearts. Lord. Oh God, raise us up to be your people in this hour of desperation. God, America is desperate. The church is desperate. So much is at stake, Lord. Help us to be willing to take up that cross and follow you daily. Help us be willing, Lord God, to release ourselves from the bondage of our toys. And Lord God, to spend and be spent for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we can't take any of our toys with us, God. But we will take souls with us, God. Help us today. Pour out the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your church once again. And help us, God, to preach as a dying man to dying men. Lord, as we reach out through the airwaves right now by way of this message. God, bring souls to Christ. Bring souls to Christ There's not a sin that you've committed that's too bad. He will forgive you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent Jesus to die on a cruel bloody cross. God help us to proclaim this word today in Jesus' name. And everybody would say, amen and amen.